0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere.
0: It is March 27th. The countdown continues as opening night is six nights away. Opening day one week from today for the 2017 season. Talking Reds baseball today with Mark Sheldon, as always. And, Mark, you were uh, on vacation last week, and was this kind of the equivalent of, you know, when there's like an expectant couple and they're a couple months away from having a baby and they take what's called a baby moon? It's not a honeymoon, but it's a baby moon where they vacation, you know, one last hurrah before the baby comes. Was this kind of your uh, equivalent of that where, you know, before baseball arrives for, you know, six nonstop months, you took your own equivalent of a baby mood. Is that? Can we make that a qu- equation here?
2: I'm not sure about that, but I know that I try to put my time off together in a block so I can spend the most time with my family and my, especially my kids and get some real time and they get to come out. It's their spring break, and I want to be able to be available to them and not always working. So I, I work part of the time, and I have some time off for part of the time. And, yeah, I guess it's a little bit of a respite before the, the grind of the season but uh, I'll never complain about getting time off, and I'll never complain about covering baseball. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's all
0: good. Yep, it's it's a win-win all the way around. I'd say that's a, a well-timed vacation on your part, as, uh, like we said, one week away from uh, the grind beginning again for the uh, for the 2017 season. So, Marco, uh, with that, let's tie up some loose ends uh, with the Reds as uh, every team is going to be breaking camp here in uh, less than a week. Uh, when the 25-man roster is announced uh, for opening day, when it's unveiled, is the name – Bronson Arroyo going to be on that list?
2: I'm really uh, of the belief that it will be. It's, it seems like it, all he has to do is stay healthy. Uh, they're not too worried about the results. They're not worried about his velocity. Uh, they're just simply worried that his, uh, his body can hold up to the demands of, of throwing five to six, perhaps even seven innings uh, he has after a two-year layoff. So he's going to have a minor league game uh, next uh, Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, I should say. And then on April 2nd, he'll have one more minor league game and here in Arizona. He will not go back with the team. And then uh, if he gets through those two outings, uh, very likely he will fly into Cincinnati and be on the field for introductions on April 3rd. So uh, that's what I'm looking at. It, it, you know, Anything can change. I've seen things change at the last possible minute. If he got clobbered, if he gets hurt, if he has fatigue, that could all change the plans. But uh, they knew going in that he was not going to be a velocity pitcher. They just wanted to see that he had his stuff, and they really are trusting him that he knows his body and that he can hold up to the demands of starting.
0: And, Mark, you know, if I'm reading this correctly, it seems like, uh, you know, you, you go back a month, a month and a half, and uh, this kind of started off as a, as a feel-good story, but I don't think anybody legitimately thought that he had a real shot at making the opening day roster. You know, nothing against him, but, again, as you said, there's the age and the injury history and, and the layoff. I mean, are, are you, as even the most optimistic Reds fan, kind of surprised that this is transpiring right now?
2: I'm a little bit surprised. But then again, I think things changed uh, in his favor when Anthony DiScofani got hurt. Uh, you know, they didn't have enough veteran presence in the uh, rotation. Scott Feldman, although he is a veteran, he, he's not uh, – he doesn't have a, quite the track record that someone like Arroyo has. And I think they – Knowing, knowing Bronson for as long as they did and knowing what he meant to the team and the clubhouse and knowing what he quite frankly what he meant to the city they, they know they have a known commodity there if he's healthy and I think that was enough for them to, to make him uh, a candidate for the team and so yeah he did exceed some expectations he looked good at his starts unfortunately for him he got uh, hit in the face by a Devin Mazaraco throw that cut one of them short but Uh, You know, there hasn't been an outing where he's gotten clobbered. He's given up a home run here and there, which is what he did anyway. It's just the way his stuff plays sometimes, especially out here. And he still has the deception. He still has the the different looks. He'll throw any pitch at any count. And even if he's only throwing 85 to 86 miles an hour, he can still get guys out.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, it would be great, like you said, if uh, when the, the opening day lineup and roster is unveiled uh, at Great American Ballpark, if he is uh, marched out there to the foul line, uh, what an ovation that would be uh, for the 40-year-old Bronson Arroyo. We'll see what the uh, next few days bring on that front. Mark, transitioning now uh, to the bullpen, you seem to indicate that the Reds are going to carry a second lefty in the pen alongside their main lefty, uh, Tony Cingrani. The two names uh, kind of vying for that spot seem to be uh, Lucas Litke and Wandy Peralta. Uh, of the two, uh, does one have the inside track?
2: Well, it's, that's a tough one. I think based on performance only, it would be Litke. But uh, Litke has the disadvantage of being a non-roster player, and, and Peralta is on the roster. So, uh, and they have other guys such as Arroyo. They need they, they need to add to the roster. So, I think some roster jujitsu might be in order to make it work for Litke. Uh I, I think also he's a veteran in a sense that he's even though he's been. In a, he's been in 111 major league games with Seattle he's 30 years old, so he does have a little bit of experience that, that Peralta does not have. But one thing that is maybe favoring uh, either one of those guys is that they're going to look like go with a, an eight man bullpen and a, and a four man bench by a released Brian Rayburn today uh, by with all indications that they'll have an eight man bullpen to help shore up the, uh, the youth of the rotation. So there is enough room for, for two lefties uh, Sangrani and one of those other two guys, and then we'll see what happens. But I, I I, I kind of want to give the edge to Litke based on performance, and then they'll figure out a way to make it work.
0: Yeah, it, it's tough, like you said. Litke uh, maybe have the better numbers, but Peralta is on the roster. That may give him uh, the inside track. We'll see what happens there. And, uh, Mark, uh, seeing as this is uh, our last podcast before opening day, and that is hard to believe, I want to get some uh, thoughts from you about some guys, uh, you know, in certain categories for this Reds team, uh, guys that might break out, guys that could have a bounce-back season, and a guy that possibly could regress uh, from having an overachieving 2016. So let's start at the uh, the top of that list. I would think that this question skews more towards younger guys, but when you look at that group, and there's a lot of them on this Reds team, this rebuilding Reds team, which young player is best positioned to have a breakout season?
2: Now there's a few. I, I think – I don't know if you would call this a breakout, but I would. I think someone like Eugenio Suarez, who – had 21 homers last year. It was his first full year as a third baseman. He made a lot of errors uh, in the early going, but really kind of settled down in the second half. Uh, he can hit to both fields. I, I think he could be due for a very, very nice season. And, you know, a lot of people don't know his name. He does not figure among the top ten of Major League third basemen or even National League third basemen. But I, I think people are going to be hearing him about him a lot more this season. If he uh, – takes the step up that i think he's going to take
0: yeah one of those uh, under the radar guys that could uh, be firmly on the radar uh let's say by the all-star break if all goes as planned and mark the uh, the second item on that list uh after underachieving last year uh what player could have a bounce back performance this year
2: well if any player needs about bounce back performance after two years of basically not playing it'd be devin mesarocco uh He's not going to start the season on the on the active roster. Most likely, he's going to be on the disabled list. But I think if anyone's due for a bounce back, it's him. He's uh, so far so good in terms of he's feeling good. He feels like he can do all the things he needs to do behind the plate and, and have the mobility that his hips are giving him. His shoulder that he had surgically repaired feels good, uh, and he's been hitting reasonably well. Even though he's not feeling 100% in terms of his baseball skills, he's got some rust still. He's trying to work off. Uh, but I think once he puts it together, he is at least due for a, a bounce-back year. I think if he's healthy and is able to play, he should be able to produce. There's no reason, unless he's injured again, that he shouldn't.
0: And, uh, Mark, the other side of that coin, uh, if there's a guy that perhaps overachieved last year, maybe had something resembling a career year, uh, who is at least a candidate for a little bit of regression here in 2017?
2: you got to wonder about uh, left fielder Adam Duvall. He was a first-time All-Star, kind of the breakout player of 2016. Uh, you know, he had a really strong first half, got into the All-Star game, and then he, he kind of dropped off in the second half. He's got a, he's a guy that has huge slugging numbers, but not much in the way of on-base percentage. He's kind of resembling of a, of a you know, Tony Armist or a, a Dave Kingman kind of numbers with a big slugging percentage and a low on-base. Um, but he's still a very good fielder, and they like him a lot. I, I, I could see him taking a step back, maybe not having 30-something home runs. Maybe he has a few less. Maybe the league has figured him out a little bit. He's going to have to make some adjustments this year in order to stay ahead of the curve.
0: Yeah, a few red flags in that second half. But like you said, uh, the the talent of the raw power certainly there. And maybe he puts it all together in 2017. He could go either direction. It'll be interesting to see which direction he indeed does go. Uh, and, Mark, to begin to wrap up here, uh, of course, it's our last podcast, as I said, uh, before uh, 2017 opening day. So from the home openers that you've covered, uh, covering the Cincinnati Reds team, what is your, your primary memory from all those years? Uh, I'm going to
2: cheat a little bit. I, I, it's weird is that I, I, I remember my last covering of the Twins in '05. I was in Seattle, and they, uh, they had a great opening day. The presidents of the United States, the band played, and all the players were played out of the field with the music. And I thought that was a super cool thing. But going back to the Reds, uh, my very first year on the beat was 06, and uh, President George W. Bush threw out the ceremonial first pitch, and, of course, I just remember it being 30 degrees and freezing cold as my first Reds opening day. It was actually my first time ever setting foot inside Great American Ballpark. And uh, I just remember it being dogs, snipers, Secret Service, uh, the White House Press Corps, uh, all of that kind of going with it. It was just an odd, odd experience of seeing that all put together. And then, of course, uh, the year after uh, – Mark Mallory, the mayor of Cincinnati, threw a horribly debacleous uh, ceremonial first pitch that still lives in infamy on YouTube, uh, and I think people will remember that. So I would say those are probably my uh, my biggest opening day memory.
0: Was it uh, better or worse than 50-cent uh, with the Mets a year or two back?
2: Tell you what, it, it, it's a toss-up. If you watch both of those, they're, they're not that far apart in terms of the quality. They're both horrendous, all-time bad ceremonial first pitches, and I think – I think 50 Cent and um, Mayor Mallory are definitely uh, maybe even.
0: Yeah, maybe they can get together for lunch and discuss their woes. Uh, Mark Sheldon, great stuff as always. Uh, this week, we're going to wrap things up a bit differently as uh, you, Mark, had the chance to sit down recently with Brian Price as the two of you discussed uh, what is on the docket for the Reds in the upcoming 2017 season.
1: Hi, this is Mark Sheldon from MLB.com, and I'm here in the office with manager Brian Price. Uh, Brian? As we're nearing opening day, you yeah, obviously still have some roles that are open, but much of your roster seems to be coming together, especially your everyday lineup and, and uh, things like that.
3: What do you like about your team as you're getting closer to the, the regular season? Well, I like the youth component and the athleticism. You know, I think that, that, that's a big deal. It's not just by adding Peraza to the mix, but it's, uh, it's having you know, what I think is going to be the first full season of Scott Schevler in right field for us, he's you know he adds a dynamic to us, uh, athleticism and power, and, and uh, he's an exciting player. Another year with Suarez at third base, he just looks better and better over the course of the spring. I think it's a position that he's going to you know really make his own and define himself as a really top level defensive third baseman. Um, and and having a full season of Devin Mesoraco would be a real bonus for us to go with Tucker Barnhart behind the plate. Now we've got great leadership. Regardless of who's behind the plate on any given day, and that makes a big difference to you go, know, especially with a with a young pitching staff. And then you have
1: Adam Duvall trying to follow up the year he had last year. Uh, he had a slower second half, but he really did come out gangbusters in the first half. Right? I'm assuming you're looking for more of the same what he did at the beginning of last
3: season. Yeah, you know, it's 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 you know, getting acclimated. You know, this is a this is a, a kind of a punch and counter punch business. You know, and. and and uh, Adam punched the lead pretty firm in the first half. Made the All-Star team. Was in the league leaders in homers and RBIs. He's a big run producer. He ended the season with 30-plus homers and over 100 RBIs. A lot of doubles. And also did a super job in left field. Um, and then the league came back in the second half and, and had some answers for you know what they had, had seen in the first half. And now it's his turn to counterpunch. And and, uh, and I believe confidently that he'll be able to do that. And no one probably counterpunched better last season than Joey Votto. He kind of came back <laughs> after true, a,
1: after a, a slow first two months. He really he brought it as well, and I guess you're probably imagining if he could put that all together for a full season, that's an MVP caliber season.
3: It is, and the game the game's hard to play. And we all know that it's hard to be that good for a 162 game season for anybody. It's that, that's what those seasons are all about. When we talk about uh, you know Ted Williams or, or more recently a, a Miguel Cabrera type of a triple crown season or things of that nature, that's an ability to hold something together for a 162 game season, which is such a challenge in any part of this game. But I'm a believer that Joey can do it. It wouldn't surprise me, you know, to see him. Uh, go start to finish with the type of uh, on base, uh, the, the, the line drive contact that he makes, and the, the type of offensive uh, dynamic that he brought to the field every game in that second half. Of zero. Really, the last four months of the season was it was just a dominant performance, and I think he's capable of doing that. But if he did, um, he'd be doing something that was uh, special in his in his rear. In your bullpen, you have five of the seven, maybe eight spots uh, spoken
1: for. You're obviously gonna try something a little new this year. Uh, you're not really dedicating a closer. You have four guys that you maybe they will make less appearances but pitch more innings, multiple innings. Uh, how do you now that you've kinda of getting closer to the season, how do you view that working out for you, this uh, and the
3: team this season? Well, it is. It's a you know, it's a will see situation. Um, you know, the best laid plans, you know, you always have to have fallback. But my, my feeling is is, you know, we have to get these guys acclimated to it. I think we began to do that last year. Iglesias got a handful of save opportunities. Lorenzen got a lot of multiple inning opportunities um, when he came back to us uh, after he, his stint on the DL. Um, and Blake Wood is another one of those guys that could be multiple inning late in the game. I think Storn and Singrani are typically gonna be guys that are more um, inning or an inning plus. That being said, Having a guy like Drew Storm allows me to do what I need to do with Lorenzen and Iglesias and still have a guy with closers experience if I need a closer on any given day. Uh, I think it, it can work quite well. What has to happen is the group down there has to band together and be motivated to finish the day with a win, regardless who gets the win, who gets the save, who gets the hold. Whatever it may be, is to define the success of the ind- individual by the success of the group. And that's what's great about baseball is if you can play that type of game, you can get more out of your ability than you can think.
1: Obviously the rotation's still in flux, but no matter who's in the five, it's going to be a younger rotation and they're not necessarily known for yet to be consistent with going deep in games and having innings. How much of a concern is having the bullpen pick up some of the innings that the starting
3: rotation may not be able to pick up and, and, and getting to the end of the game? Well the concern I don't think will be the innings, it'll be the appearances and it'll be the amount of time that we can find off for any multi, you know, inning pitcher. You know, if you find, if I find that, in, in order to be able to win on a consistent basis, I've got to use multiple relievers for multiple innings. You know, again and again and again. That won't work. That that will peter out rather quickly. Um, the other thing is, is we have to give these young guys opportunities to to learn how to pitch after the sixth inning, and sometimes that comes at a price. You know, we don't want to say that we're. This isn't the same as the minor leagues where the development is the most important thing. It is important, but at the end of the day, we want to taste the fruits of the labor and, and have a victory to show for it. Um, so uh, as much as the opportunity will be there for these young guys to get those to get those innings and those opportunities, um, we certainly at the forefront has to be, at the end of the day, has to be the victory. So it will be, be quite a balancing act, and, and uh, I think our young guys are up to the task. So, thanks very much, Mark. I appreciate you doing bet. this. You bet, Mark.